the NCAA required college football players to study during halftime until 1925. Wow, that's stupid. So imagine like, if Florida State had to study during halftime of games, their API, APR would probably be a lot higher. Hey guys, it's Terrence Nan. You're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go Dose. Hey, what's up? This is Peter Ward, a.k.a. E-Dub in the house. So we're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go live, go Nose. Hi, this is Charlie Ward, and you're listening to Hear the Spear. Go Nose. This is Terrell Buckley. You're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. No bloody. But perhaps better known as the greatest corner to ever step on a football field, Dion Primetime Sanders. The great Dion Sanders, my brother. What's going on, man? I could, I could wake up to that greeting every day, man. That was awesome. Hello, those fans. This is former Seminole Derek Brooks, and you're listening to Here's the Spear, presented to you by No Game Day. James Wilder Jr. What's going on, James? Thanks for having me on. SSOD, Florida State or Die, and go no. William Barnon Floyd. Gentlemen, what's up? What's happening, guys? This is Logan from Here This Beer, presented to you by Noel Game Day. We are here tonight on Wednesday. We are going to recap the release of the 2020 FSU football schedule. Um, and then we're going to go on and talk about TJ Rushing and him leaving the Florida State program and Florida State hiring Marcus Woodson and replacement. And then go over a lot of the quick hitters throughout the week and some recruiting stuff. Uh, we're going to go over what Norvell was talking about with the uniform combos in an interview most recently. And then preview the basketball came up, coming up for Florida State, another big game against Notre Dame. That's happening this weekend. And then we're going to go over uh, a question or two from you guys from the social media. As always, you can listen to this podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play. And if you're on YouTube, make sure you hit that subscribe button. But uh, yeah, that'll be pretty much do it. Let me introduce my two co-hosts, our lead writer and editor dustin lewis and our lead basketball writer austin vz what's going on yeah a ton to talk about tonight it's kind of crazy yeah for the second last week in january we're pretty packed yeah we came in uh once we got on skype thing there wasn't a lot to talk about but it kind of loaded up quick here a lot more than i thought so let's i said we just go ahead and (laughs) jump right into it um because dustin has to go to sleep that's what people do to okay. stay alive. I don't, want to hear, I don't want to hear him complain about being tired. Yeah, because he'll probably still stay up till 2 a.m. Is that correct, Dustin? It's it's a possibility. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll get a text at 1 a.m. Hey, did you get this post edited for tomorrow? <laughs> um, but yeah, let's go and jump right into it. Let's start off with the big news today. Florida State releases their 2020 schedule. Um, I know we noted on Sanford being the home opener uh, that we released in an article, but the rest of it we did not know. So let's start off with obviously the first game of the season against West Virginia and Atlanta. Then the next game will be against Sanford at home on September 12th. On September 19th, Florida State will go and visit Boise State. And then at the week after that will be another away game against NC State. But in between those will be a bye week. So... This is on week four is a bye week. What are y'all's thoughts initially on that? Because that's an early, early bye week. It's the worst. Yep. Pretty much nailed it right there. It sucks. Florida State is the only team in the ACC with a bye week in September. So call the the league office. It's the only ACC team with a bye week before week six. That's nuts. 
so after that bye week, they'll go and face NC State on the road. And then the big game at home against the Clemson Tigers on October 10th. After that, on October 17th, will be Wake Forest, uh, which is going to be family weekend. Uh, that's interesting. Is it usually it's parents weekend? What's family weekend? You now you got to bring like your little thing. sisters. Yeah, little now bit. you gotta you gotta buy more tickets for the whole family now. Okay, so uh, it's a, it's honestly a great selling tactic. <laughs> it might be, but yeah, <laughs> that's gonna be on October seventeenth against the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. Then Florida State is gonna travel after two weeks in a row at home. They're gonna go and travel and play against the Louisville Cardinals on October twenty fourth. Uh, after that. The Pittsburgh. Um, yeah, what is it? <laughs> God, what are they? Panthers, bro. Come on. Panthers. That's stupid. On Pittsburgh. Halloween. On Halloween. Florida That'll State. be a fun night in Tallahassee. Yeah, that will be. That'll be. It better be a night game. Yeah, uh, better. Well, yeah, it better be. Uh, that's going to be on October 31st. Happy Halloween to everybody. At least it'll be a home game. And then on November 7th, Florida State is going to go travel under the 305 and play against the Miami Hurricanes. After that, Florida State's going to have hold its homecoming on November 14th against Boston College. And then the week after, November 19th, is going to be Syracuse, the Syracuse Oranges at New York. And then the end of the season game against the Florida Gators will be on November 28th. Any don't forget uh, to don't forget to note that Syracuse game is on a Thursday, just five days after BC. Mm-hmm. That is correct. Anybody planning on going to the Syracuse game? Uh, highly unlikely. I don't even think Syracuse fans are going to go. <laughs> yeah, no one wants to watch Syracuse football. At the end, of, or towards the end of November, when it's going to be ten degrees, even if it's indoors, no one wants to go. I think the only time people went to that game in Syracuse was when uh, Jameis Winston was playing. I think that'd be the only reason to go there to see a Heisman winner play. And that was twenty fourteen. But yeah, I have no intentions on flying up there for any part of that whatsoever. Um, so Clemson's going to be on October 10th. This is always trying to highlight the big games here. So really, you know, West Virginia to start off. We all knew this, uh, Florida state and Boise state, there might be some situation with time change when they're kicking off and all this kind of jazz, but Florida state still goes to Boise state and then Clemson on October 10th. So you go, go to NC state and then come back home uh, and play Clemson. Um, which obviously is going to be real fun for Florida State. Yes, yeah, I mean it's just terrible. Three. I mean you knew you knew that out of your first three games were going to be on the road, but now it's three out of the first four. You pretty much waste your bye week, and then you go right into Clemson, and then Wake Forest. I mean they're going to be they're probably going to be a tough team as well. So I mean really the the schedule. No favors were done for Florida State. Yeah, the only good thing about the schedule is you get, what, nine days, 11 days to prepare for Florida? But that's coming on the heels of having to play against Syracuse early. But other than that, the schedule absolutely sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is worth noting. Florida State does give a, get a bye before facing Florida after facing Syracuse. Not really. It's just the Thursday game. Yeah. It screws everything up. 
Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it's an odd schedule. And it's going to be interesting to see how it shakes out for Mike Norvell for his first year. And, you know, I think it starts off right off the rip against West Virginia. Obviously, West Virginia is an, a fabulous team. Uh, but you still are playing in a neutral site game. Florida State fans, from what the Tallahassee Democrat put out, you know they're they're buying their tickets so far. They're still very expensive. We just got to wait until the third party um, ticket places to buy that will be cheaper. But you're still starting for Mike Norvell at, uh, away from home and against West Virginia, which is going to be a, a good test for both teams to see what they're what they're really all about, uh, what their future is going to hold. So yeah, it's an interesting schedule and. Um, I, I, I'm always interested more in, you know, seeing when these times are for some of them. We, we, we don't get them all throughout the rest of the schedule, but, um, I'm, I want to keep an eye on that West Virginia game and when that's going to kick off. Cause I would think it'd be three thirty or a seven or mm-hmm. prime time. Yeah. One game that I'm, I'm looking at is the Miami game because with Derek King and Quincy Roche, some of the grad transfers they've got, I think Miami could potentially be a top 25 team in November. And depending on how everything goes with Florida State, there's a chance they're in the top 25 as well. So that could be one of the better rivalry matchups we've seen between the two in recent years. And I think the Louisville game is going to be a good game. Uh, their new head coach got them playing well down the stretch. And I think they're going to be pretty good heading into this season. And you know they're angry at us for stealing their quarterback and their defensive yeah. <laughs> end and another defensive end. Just their whole program. And beating them in basketball. <laughs> they're, going to be, they're going to be ready to fight, that's for sure. Wait till Sunday when Corey Wren commits to Florida State over Louisville and others. <laughs> yeah, that'll just be the, the ticking will end and the bomb will explode. Louisville fans will be all over Twitter. But is there really a Louisville Twitter like there is a FSU Twitter? I don't I mean, think so. There's no, such thing. there's no fan base that's like FSU Twitter. <laughs> They're focused on the bourbon. They don't care. <laughs> yeah, and the horse racing. <laughs> Let's move on now to the news that we heard earlier in the week. TJ Rushing is going to be leaving Florida State to go join good old Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M. Supposedly, he's going to be paid a very good amount. That's not official yet, but supposedly that is the main reason for him leaving. That's what we're speculating. Uh, But coming in, you might see an upgrade here, possibly. Uh, Marcus Woodson coming from Auburn. Uh, His coaching record started in... Millsaps uh, from 2005 to 2008, from 2009 to 2013, coached at Charleston Southern, 14 to 15 Fresno State, and then also he went and coached with Mike Norvell in Memphis from 2016-2017, and then most recently with the Auburn Tigers with the 2018 and 2019 season. Um, what are y'all's thoughts on on this happening? That whole situation with T.J. Russian? he just got to Tallahassee. I just think it's crazy how fast uh, Florida State was able to replace TJ Rushing because literally, like 24, less than 48 hours later, you already have a full staff again. Yeah, but it's good to see that Norvell, like we said earlier, that these assistants want to keep coming back to coach for him. Plus, we're taking away Auburn's recruiting coordinator. So, if we got an SEC bagman on our staff now, I'm good with it. <laughs> and I was talking about this and I brought it up on the Mark Rogers TV show on YouTube. Florida State continues uh, to bring in top-tier talent in that backfield on the defensive side. 
and they don't produce. They're not developed well. Um, Stanford Samuels is leaving Florida State. I don't know if that was really the the best idea. It seems like maybe more Mike Nor- or Mike Norvell said eh, maybe might be a good idea for you to leave. But Florida State always is bringing in really good talent nonstop. But Florida State is no longer DBU whatsoever. Uh, Marcus Woodson hopefully can be a good hire. It needs to be a really big hire for Florida State. And hopefully, and I know a few recruits also tweeted out that they are kind of showing their likeness for this hire. Um, and like Austin noted on, you bring in a guy from the SEC who is also the recruiting coordinator for the Auburn Tigers too. So it, it's a, it's a, it's a big, it's a big, I think it's a big hire uh, for Florida state. Hope, hopefully it turns out well and productivity in that defensive back unit. Yeah. He's a solid developer of talent, but a really, really great recruiter. Um, he has ties across the Southeast can, can reach into South Florida and pull guys out. I know over the last two years, he's landed at least eight four-star players at Auburn. So a very established name on the recruiting trail. And it just gives more credibility to this Florida State staff. I mean, now you have four guys from the SEC that Mike Norvell has poached. Moving on, Florida State lands a commitment from a running back, a JUCO guy, LaDamian Webb. He picks Florida State. Uh, he's most likely able to play three years. Uh, Dustin, what are, what are your thoughts on LaDamian Webb coming in? Obviously, Florida State coming in and my, under Mike Norvell's staff really focused on what was needed really quickly, and that was a running back position group and also offensive line. Um, and I, I think they'll, they're going to make sure they, they work hard also defensive end-wise and also try to bring in some rich talent on the linebacker side. But f- straight off the bat, offensive line and running back was quick on trying to figure out ways to to get guys that have experience and also young guys coming in from the recruiting side. But LaDamian Webb commits to Florida State. Thoughts on him? I really like him. He's... A complete all-around back, a little bit small. He's 5'8", almost 200 pounds, though, so he definitely has the size despite being a smaller running back. And really, he's the type of guy he can run through you or he can just get around the edge and outrun you. He doesn't have breakaway speed, but he has good enough speed where if he gets in the open field, he's going to be able to pull away for a touchdown. And he's a really hard guy to tackle, doesn't go down Mm -hmm. easy. He has great balance. Usually it, it takes more than one guy to bring him down. And he's just so athletic, so shifty. And being a junior college player, that means he can come in and immediately con- contribute in the backfield. And it's just another area where you have to give Mike Norvell credit because he's really flipped the, the Florida State backfield at this point. You you only had Kalon LeBourne and Anthony Grant going into the offseason. Now you have Ja'Shawn Corbin. Lawrence Toa Philly, you have LaDamian Webb. Um, potentially, you're going to get Corey, Corey Wren on Sunday. And you also have Dewan Edwards visiting uh, later in January. And also Zach Evans, who we'll talk about in a little bit, who's now shown some interest to the Knowles. Yeah, I was going to note, you know, a lot of people are also speculating, you know, will Corbin get his uh, waiver? And, you know, this is all up to NCA also. But he does come closer to home, so that usually will play a bigger role and, and hopefully give him the the access of being able to play. 
uh, right off the rip coming into Tallahassee. But yeah, Florida State has stacked back up really quickly on the running back unit. And, you know, Anthony Grant is someone who didn't even see the field whatsoever last season. A lot of us had some high hopes of seeing, being able to see him play. But, you know, his, his he's it's still kind of up in the air for him. We are expecting him yeah. to be at Florida State. So it was really risky. But, you know, in order to get out of that riskiness, Norvell had to move quickly and, and find an answer to build up that running back depth. Yeah, now it's even if Grant doesn't come back, you have the numbers anyway where it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Visitor weekend this past weekend, and also there's one coming up also uh, and, and getting ready for junior day. Quick thoughts on, on what's going on in, in Tallahassee and you know Florida State and Norvell getting after it. Yeah, just speaking quickly on um, the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> If, if anybody's listening, fuck. yeah, just we might keep it in there. Just <laughs> delete <content>. that. <laughs> <laughs> Go right ahead. Yeah, just speaking quickly on the recruiting under Mike Norbell, Florida State had four official visitors in Tallahassee last weekend. Obviously, LaDamian Webb ended up committing to FSU, but you also had athlete Corey Wren, safety Donovan Kaufman, <clears throat> and offensive tackle Robert Scott in Tallahassee and from everything I've heard the visits went extremely well at this point um Florida State's expecting Wren to commit on Sunday um and also Kaufman he's a it, it depends on his relationship with Woodson I would say but he wasn't extremely close with TJ rushing anyway so I think there's still a possibility he flips to Florida State. He is going to visit Baylor next week, so we'll have to see how that shakes out. And then offensive tackle Robert Scott, he's an Ole Miss commit, but he's I don't I don't think he's going to end up in the class. He's visiting Arkansas next week, so I think it comes down to FSU and Arkansas. And FSU has a big need at offensive tackle, and I don't know. He just. Florida State really just needs him to see that and show him that hey, you you really could come in, come in and get playing time. So that's just I think you'd can, be great. I think you should be hired as a uh, some kind of recruiting officer for Florida State just by that statement there. I think you did a good job. Thanks. I mean, it's an easy pitch to make, really. You just, <laughs> yeah, if you just get, try. If you come in, you're gonna most likely play a lot of time at Florida State, and you might even get a chance to start pretty early on. Yeah, I mean, you, you look at a guy last year, Darius Washington didn't commit till nearly National Signing Day, and during the season, he was out there starting at left tackle for Florida State as a true freshman. So the potential, honestly, is there. I mean, the offensive line is wide open. There's also a little interest here. This is from 247 Sports, which they put out today. Five-star running back Zach Evans is having some kind of consideration of coming to visit Florida State this upcoming weekend. Um, and this is this is a very, very talented guy. The kind of concern here for him is some kind of, what would you call it? Per- he's had some, he's had some off-the-field incidents. 
Yeah, he's kind of a tough guy to work with, I guess you can say, as a nice, yeah. you know, nice thing to say. He's still young, you know, still maturing. There's a little uh, bit of an ego, uh, an attitude there, for sure. Yeah, yeah, where, you know, there was a, a, a lot of around the country, people were thinking he was a complete lock to Georgia, you know, Florida State, or uh, Georgia. He signed his letter of intent. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was a com- pretty much a complete lock, and then that was canceled very quickly. Maybe the bags weren't enough for him. Um, but there's no some idea. consideration. I don't think FSU fans should go too crazy about it whatsoever. But if, if, if there's kind of some kind of interest, I know Florida State will take the talent. And I was talking about this and um, the Noel Game Day group chat today. And I was noting on, you know, I, I, I would feel better with Mike Norvell being able to handle that and the attitude problem uh, rather than Willie Taggart having to handle it because I don't even know if it would be handled uh, but Mike Norvell and what we've learned early on and how strict he is, not only inside, like how he is privately, but publicly, he also wants to show that his team uh, has some kind of professionalism and getting them ready to move into the league or into wherever they go to get jobs and get their, after their degrees. But I, I, I would feel a little bit more optimistic with this happening under Mike Norvell rather than the Willie Taggart staff. That was just kind of my note there. Yeah, for sure. And there's two there's two recruiting weekends left. I mean, Zach Evans, he could still make it to Tallahassee this weekend. There's also next weekend, the weekend of the 31st, where he's currently scheduled to visit UF. So, I, I mean, the the time is now if if he's going to make it in for a visit. And also also this weekend, starting Friday, January 24th, Florida State, they'll have two more official visitors in Tallahassee. Um, Darren Williamson. And an athlete, he's he's like a linebacker or a wide receiver at the next level. Then you also have Marcus and Douglas, who plays defensive end and tight end. They're actually both from Haywood High School in Brownsville, Tennessee. Two guys that David Johnson has been on for a while. Darren Williamson is actually a Tennessee commitment. And really, I think if Florida State pushes here, probably both of these guys will end up at Florida State. But... For for FSU, it's it's all going to depend on the numbers. If the numbers work out, I think they'll take them both. We're feeling pretty positive here on the athlete Corey Wren, who's going to be announcing his commitment on Sunday at six Eastern time. He's picking between Florida State, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Louisville, and TCU. Oklahoma kind of uh, kind of stopped pushing as hard. And this is where Florida State was able to slide in and then kind of push really to bring him on board. And, and I think Dustin's really predicting Florida State to be the to be the pick here for the young cat. Yeah, I'll just say uh, last podcast, I said LaDamian Webb was pretty much a lock to be a null and Bammy commits. Oh. So same thing here for Corey Wren. Pretty from from what I've heard and I've I've talked to a couple people pretty much a lock that he's going to commit to Florida State on Sunday. And the See, day before that, real quick, Logan, Florida State is going to host their first junior day for 2021, and there's going to be a ton of guys in Tallahassee. Actually, a, a local guy I just want to bring up real quick. I've talked about him before. I feel like Mari Harvey out of Florida High, he's going to be in Tallahassee. There's been some rumors that, well, not in Tallahassee, lives in Tallahassee, but he's going to be on campus at Florida State. And there's been some rumors that he'll be committing soon. So FSU fans should watch out towards the end of January, beginning of February. Um, the 
From what I've heard, the plan is for him to commit on his mom's birthday. And another local product, you'll have four-star cornerback Tyrion Arnold at FSU as well. So FSU really going after the talented guys in the A50, making sure they stay home. And also some other guys, you have Brandon Jennings, a legacy recruit, and a bunch of offensive linemen so far on the list. And it should just continue to grow before the weekend. Absolutely. Florida State has got their graphics out that, that they're giving the recruits, and a lot of people are, a lot of recruits are heading this way. And I think now, any any fan hearing that Florida State is pursuing, and they're also grabbing uh, guys to come visit that are on the offensive line unit, uh, they kind of perk up their ears, and they're they're happy to hear that because you know what we've seen the last four to five years, it's just been brutal. Uh, and then also let's get into a little bit of uniform talk here because this is what the content is. This is why we're here. Uh, Norvell had a short little interview session, uh, and he was brought up the question about the white numbers, which he said he has heard, uh, from the fan base about that. And I, I don't see why he would change where he would want to go back to having gold numbers. But I, you know, I think that contract and thing has already been signed with Nike. So, um, I don't think FSU fans should be too worried about that. Florida State was going to have their white numbers no matter what, and they'll be most likely. They might be. Just, what are they? Are they the home team? Has that been announced? Home team against West Virginia? I have no idea. No clue. We need the uniform police to contact us and tell us. But uh, they might be able to showcase those white numbers in Atlanta, and if not, they'll do it in the home opener against Sanford. Uh, and then also he noted on that uh, Florida State, he, uh, when during his time at Memphis, uh, they rocked different uniform combinations, I believe, every game. Uh, Which seems impossible. Like, I, don't, I don't understand. I, I have no idea. Maybe they switched up the socks. Yeah, they changed one item of clothing. Yeah, game. the gloves. <laughs> Maybe so. But he did say that, you know, he was pretty – confident that he was going there was going to be some uniform some different uniform combinations that Florida State's going to rock and I I think uh, it is what it is as long as you get wins I think Florida State fans will be cool with it there was no wins when there was not a lot of wins or good wins when Willie Taggart was here and they were rocking different kind of uniform combinations in his first year and that kind of just shut down um, the ride for that happening, but now you know Florida State can get some wins. I don't think they'll have any t- any problem with the uniform combos, and plus you'll have white numbers too, so that just makes everything great in your life. There will still be the old geezer fans that are upset with the black uniforms because they exist. <laughs> the Facebook crowd. Yes. <laughs> well, and pe- yes. apparently the Twitter crowd too, because I've seen a few tweets about the basketball game wearing black uniforms. No, oh, yeah, I saw that today. You were having to have a good fight with somebody. Or yesterday, too. <laughs> yeah, you know. I keep, I keep people fun. entertained. It's for fun. It's for fun. It, it, it's, it, I don't think it's something that people should lose their minds over. And I know they hate it whenever we were. Florida State wears the blackout uniforms. Um, if there was just a win with it, I don't think anybody would be whining. That's the uh, main problem. Every time they wear all black, for some reason... FSU loses. I don't know if they've ever won a game in all black. Chattanooga. Yeah, I was going to say Chattanooga, but that's probably the games that they just need to be wearing. But I believe they wore those. Yeah, it was a day game. I was I was on the field for that one, and they were in that during the game. Um, and all black, 
in Tallahassee. Kind of hot. Kind of heat. Heat is probably not the greatest idea for that. Um, I don't know if that was later in the season, though. But anyways, Florida State is most certainly. I was like, what are you talking about? I don't know. (laughs) Second to last game of the year. Okay, so (laughs) then maybe not so much heat. But you know what? It was friggin' 80, 85 degrees last week in Tallahassee. So, and we're in January, Austin. I know you're up there in Charlotte now. Yeah, no. Our weather's so. actually pretty much the same as yours. Like, you guys have been cold recently. We're cold up here now. When you guys are warm, we're warm. Okay, weatherman. Thank I'm just saying. Thank you, weatherman. I'm just trying You've to. You've been say. talking to Harrison, huh? Yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> He's getting me tickets to the Virginia game. I got to talk him up. There you go. There you go. But yeah, four to six and they have some different uniform combos coming under Mike Norvell. But certainly I was shocked that they wore different different uniform combo for every game. I don't know how that happened, but I guess they did. But I didn't really watch a lot of Memphis games last season until there was word of Mike Norvell coming to Florida State. So Yeah, so you watched one game. No, 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 no. I watched some film and stuff. <laughs> and stuff. Yeah, all right. Some YouTube highlights. Practically, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I want to see, I want to see Florida State. I want the the garnet pants with the white top on the road. It'd be nice to see all whites, even down to like all white cleats, and then I mean all black if it's gonna if it means a win. It still looks cool. I'll take the L, whatever. I like the I like the idea of having all black black cleats. And a gold helmet. I wouldn't mind that. You have the you have the gold numbers on the black uniforms, anyway. What was it? What were you? What was it going to be before? The there was the black, black helmets. helmets. Oh yeah, the black helmets suck. You gotta have the gold pictures. They look good in pictures, but they just don't look so well during games for some reason. And but also the face masks are different colors than what the jerseys are, and it's just yeah. a complete screw up. So. Nike really did a great job. I still can't believe they unveiled that uniform whenever they were playing in 2014 and how atrocious everything was put together. I don't know what they did, but it was atrocious. I believe they had to fix the face masks like throughout the season. Some players had different colored face masks. Remember they had that like really light tan color? And they had to fix the white jerseys from gold numbers to garnet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a complete complete screw up so yeah so uniform talk that was good that's probably what's gonna make us get the listen so now we'll lose the listeners and get ready to talk some basketball wow i'm just kidding i'm just kidding i'm just kidding then we're talking about the number five team in the country i'm actually going to this game on saturday that's the first (laughs) it's not the first i went to a lot of games last year but i've been very busy and now I finally get to go, and I think I'm going to a good game. Blackout game, too. I'm excited. The Black Unis, are they the best, Austin? I think it's 1A and 1B with the Blacks and the uh, N7s. Yeah, it's tough to choose between those. I think they're like two different kind of thing. I don't, I don't know what to call it, but they're just two different time, type of aspects you get from it. One means for something pretty cool, for good meaning, and the other one's just badass looking. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. And they look good. I, I don't know that the um, the teal does look good with the garnet. I'm really a fan of the all golds. 
I mean, you're like you a baseball guy. You are alone guy. in that thought. I'm alone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not Those a... are our worst uniforms. They're under. They look a lot. They look a lot better now than they did four or five seasons ago. Since they fixed the tone of the garnet. Oh, not great. But do you like the? How about? So you're a big baseball guy. So you like the Sunday Golds that Florida State baseball wears, huh, Dustin? Not a big baseball guy, but yeah, <laughs> I mean they look pretty sweet. Have you ever seen an image with them wearing that? I'm I've watched. I've watched a baseball game before. Okay, making. I'm on a Sunday. Sure. On a you Sunday. Said, okay, okay. You said some not so nice things about baseball. So I'm just saying, when, when not about I, how they when? play, just about how, <laughs> how it's not really entertaining to you. But I was just checking. Yeah, it's not the greatest sport out there, but you got to tolerate it, I guess. True, true, true. So, yeah, I'm going to let you all get into uh, the recap of the Miami game. And, you know, Florida State's now top five the first time since 1972. Uh, what are y'all's thoughts on that Miami game? Because that was pretty scary. Yeah, I called it being a closer game than everyone expected going into it it's just Miami's one of those teams that they seem to play as tough even if we always come out with the win um our offense really struggled they were getting great looks they just weren't making them and that was the entire issue with that game was they just couldn't hit shots when they really needed to but down the stretch Florida State got down big they're down nine points with four minutes left and started slowly chipping away with the help of MJ Walker he had 11 points in the final three minutes forced it to overtime and for the most part, Florida State dominated overtime. Chris Likes hit some pretty crazy shots that made it look like a respectable score. But once again, Florida State shows that they just refuse to quit in basketball games and they know how to win in clutch situations. Yeah, it was a really tough game. Florida State battled in the first half. Trent Forrest made a bucket as as the clock expired to give FSU the lead at halftime. And then from there, I mean, they traded baskets – for a while, and then Miami took the lead. Like you said, Austin, really, it looked like the game was just about over at that four-minute mark. And then Florida State made a huge comeback on the shoulders of MJ Walker, who also hit the first shot in overtime. And then Malik Osborne made a really great move inside to get a wide-open layup and draw a foul. And I thought that was a, a crucial play that put Florida State in front. And from there, FSU never trailed again. Devin Fussell made a huge three down the stretch to to really put things away. And it was it was just beautiful. That that those last ten or so minutes, that's what Florida State basketball is all about. And the grit, the fight that was on display despite not having a good offensive performance for the first thirty six minutes or so. I mean, that's that's what great teams have to do to win. You come out, you have an ugly game, and you just have to fight to the finish because, I mean, we said it at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is the W on the scoreboard. Florida State got it, and now they're number five in the country. Yeah, like you said, that Malik Osborne and one was such a huge play that set the, it set the momentum for all of overtime. Uh, if MJ Walker hadn't gotten those two quick fouls in the first half, I believe this would have been an entirely different game. But because of Coach Ham's philosophy of sitting players with two fouls, you're playing without one of your top three scorers for 18 minutes, and that's that's tough to play with. Um, and he still finished with 19 points. That's credit to MJ Walker for fighting through that. Also credit to Devin Vassell, who was named Co-ACC yeah. Player of the Week last week, for putting up a pretty crazy stat line, 23 points, 11 rebounds, 5 assists. I think he had a block and two three steals. Three steals and two blocks. Three, three and two. Yeah, so just an incredible performance from him. 
he's really starting to show why he's an NBA prospect and why he's likely gone after this season. <laughs> um, and again, shout out Anthony Plight. Another great game from him. Ten points, five steals. How often do you hear a guy having five steals in a college basketball game? Yeah, Anthony Polite, he's he's looked really, really excellent over the last couple of games. Um, against Virginia, he went 4-4 from deep. And then um, against Miami, looked really looked really good on defense and also continued to hit some shots on offense. And then going back to Devin Vassell really quick, his last three games, I mean, they've been pretty ridiculous. He had 17 against Wake. He, did he set a career high or tie a career high with 18 against UVA? And so then he, 17, 17 tied at 18 okay. and broke it. And then, All right. And then he follows that up with 23 points, 11 rebounds. I mean, like you said, Austin, ridiculous stat line. So what's he, what's he going to do against Notre Dame? You think it's just going to get better? It's certainly possible. Because, I mean, Notre Dame's all right defensively. They're giving up about 66 points a game, which is – Above average, but not spectacular. Um, they're great at not fouling. That's that's Notre Dame's such a disciplined team. They don't foul. They don't turn the ball over. They're top two nationally in both of those categories. Um, and even when teams get to the free throw line, they're only shooting 63% against them for whatever reason. Uh, teams are shooting 33% against them from threes, so about average, and about 44% from the floor, which is really good defense for Notre Dame. Um, it's a very disciplined team. They're just not great offensively. So whether De- whether the Devin Vassells and the MJ Walkers and the Anthony Polites can get these shots that we've been seeing him get these last few games, that's going to be a telling sign. Because Notre Dame, despite their 11-7 and record and 2-5 and in conference, they're not going to go down easily. Even last year when they were like 3-17 and in conference or whatever they ended up being, we still only beat them by 6 or 7 points at home. Yeah, and they do have four players that are scoring double figures. Like like a lot of these teams that we've talked about over the last couple weeks, they don't really have the deepest rotation, which means Florida State should have the advantage and guys being fresher throughout the game. But I sometimes I think having a smaller rotation can be better because you have your best players out there the entire time and they're not sitting down and getting out of a rhythm if, if they're having a good game. So I, I don't know. You you can you can argue for it both ways, I feel like. Yeah, but when they're it, – it, it really just depends on the team because obviously these top eight guys that consistently get minutes, and I guess top seven because Robbie Carmody only plays 13 minutes a game and he's only played in seven games. So these top seven guys, they're going to have great chemistry together. But if one or two of these guys gets in foul trouble, then you're starting to rely on guys that hardly played all season. But – Notre Dame is not one of those teams that gets in foul trouble often. They're leading foul guys, only averaging two fouls a game, and that's John Mooney. Um, expect a lot of John Mooney this game. I don't know why he's not in conversations for National Player of the Year awards because he's averaging 15 points and 14 rebounds. That's an incredible stat line to be averaging, much less in a game. If if someone comes out of a game averaging or with 15 points and 14 rebounds, you're like, yeah, that's a pretty good game. He's been doing that all season. He's that kind of player. <laughs> he can stretch to the three-point line. He's shooting 30% from there. It's not a great free-throw shooter, but I still wouldn't put him at the line. Um, then you've got TJ Gibbs and Dan Goodwin, who can light it up from three, both shooting above 40%. I know the record doesn't look great, but this is going to be a tough game, and 
hopefully our sellout crowd's going to bring the noise on Saturday. Yeah, a, a guy flying under the radar, I feel like, is Rex Fluger, who missed most of last year with an ACL injury. This year, he's averaging just 4.6 points, 3.3 rebounds, and 3.6 assists, which is a solid stat line if he if he would be averaging a couple, a couple more points. But he's shooting just 27.6% from the field and 24.5% from downtown. So uh, a veteran guy who's going to be in an extremely hostile environment, I think – this could be a potential breakout game for him, especially after the struggles he had so far to the season. He's due He's due for a good game. And he's a great leader. Even when he was out injured last year, you could see him coaching his teammates and telling them where they could be better. Even if he's not putting up the great stat line, he means so much to that team. He's he's the typical glue guy that you always see from Notre Dame. They always have one or two of them. Um, I wish he could be playing better because I'm a pretty big Rex Fluger fan. I remember... My first year working at Florida State, he came to our manager game against Notre Dame, and that was pretty cool to see him <laughs> just sitting on the sidelines watching us play, watching us bums play. Um, he's, he's a cool guy. Um, I always wish the best for him and anyone coming off an injury. It just seems like he doesn't have that confidence that he had two seasons ago when he was playing pretty well. Yeah, it's always tough with the ACLs because it always feels like it takes really two years for you to get back, and you know, this is his last year of college eligibility. Don't really know what his professional aspects look like, but he needed to come back and play good this year to really solidify what he could do at the next level. Yeah, and it's a shame for him that he hasn't been able to produce like he can because he was a good player two years ago. He really was. And he's battled injuries throughout his whole career. Um, but he's still that guy that you're going to have to look out for. He's been He's been here. He's done this. It's not going to, the moment's not going to scare him. Yeah. So Florida State, they've had some close ones recently. Virginia, they had to fight back for a win. Miami, they had to fight back for a win. Wake Forest battled FSU down the stretch. And now you have the scrappy Notre Dame team who's won two out of their last four. They beat, they beat Syracuse on the road by a point, lost at NC State by five. Recently, only lost to Louisville by three at home and then beat Georgia Tech by four on the road a week ago. So with Notre Dame coming into Tallahassee, Austin, you ready to make a little bit of a score prediction here? Um, possibly. They also just lost to Syracuse again tonight. Oh, well. Um, yeah, you, you know. They website didn't post on ESPN yet. yet. Yeah, websites haven't updated yet. It's fine. Um. It's going to be an interesting game, and I'm really, I'm really curious to see how Florida State deals with actually having expectations in basketball, because you know half of that arena is going to, if they lose, they're going to be like, "Damn it, show come to Florida State game." I knew this was going to happen, <laughs> but at the same time, Coach Hamilton and Coach Jones and that entire staff, they they do such a great job of simmering those expectations. Coach Hamilton says that an ACC blowout is four to five points. It's supposed to be close games. It's supposed to be ugly games. So what it comes down to, it's going to be if Florida State can make shots, really. If they can get to the free throw line and make shots that they're making against Louisville, that they were making at the end of Virginia, if they were making at the end of Miami. If they can hit these consistently, they're one of the toughest teams in the country to guard. You're not going to turn Notre Dame over a lot. I know Florida State does a great job of making teams undisciplined i just don't see it happening um i 
think this is going to be a fairly low-scoring game, though. I don't think Notre Dame's going to score 75 points a game like they have all season. But I will take Florida State in a 70-64 to 64 game. Yeah, I mean, you have to remember how tough it is to win in the Tucker Center. Is it – do you know, Austin, is it 58-3 and three yeah. after the Virginia game over the last 61, I guess? 58-3. Yeah. and three. Yeah, so just an absolutely insane record at home, despite a lot of the time, you know, not having a sold-out arena, not having a full fan base there. That's really just something that's starting to develop over the last couple of games, I would say. And now you're playing a, a mid-tier ACC opponent. It is on a Saturday night, so I guess that helps a little bit. But you have a sold-out crowd for a mid-tier ACC opponent. That's not something you would have seen three or four years ago in Tallahassee. So it's just incredible the strides Leonard Hamilton has continued to make every year. Um, no one really thought Florida State would be in this position. I mean, I think even the most optimistic FSU fan probably wouldn't have them in the top five at this point of the season and being the best team in the ACC, top of the conference, highest ranked team in the conference. And FSU, they just got to keep doing it every game. And said it last week, the, there's no better coach to keep a roster guided and um, focused than Leonard Hamilton. Yeah, and I agree. And even those three losses that Florida State's had the last three seasons, one was against Duke last year, an easily winnable game, came down to the last second. Virginia two years ago, when they ended up being the number one overall seed, again, a winnable game. We were up 10 at halftime. And then Louisville that same season, again, we were up 10 at halftime. So Florida State's going to play tough at home. That's just how it's been, and that's a fact these days. They're they're just not going to bow down in general, but especially at home. Yeah. Well, I'm going to make my score prediction really quick. I think I think Devin Vassell is going to continue to stay hot. I think I'm not going to say he's going to get another career high, but I think he'll have at least 18 against Notre Dame. A guy I think is going to have a breakout game is Malik Osborne. I think he's going to do really well defensively against John Mooney. I don't think John Mooney is going to get a double-double in this game. I don't think he's going to get over seven rebounds. Don't think he'll get. Don't think he'll get over ten points either. On the other end, I think Malik Osborne, at least twelve points, eight rebounds, and two blocks. He's gonna have a really nice game, and be a defensive focal point for why Florida State wins this one. I'll go FSU seventy six, Notre Dame sixty seven. Logan, the reins are yours. Man, I'm I'm excited about the game on Saturday. What blackout game already sold out. Student section was sold out immediately, and now it's a complete sellout in the tuck. I'm excited to see the uh, atmosphere because the last big game that I was at was the FSU versus Duke game, and that was incredible. That was actually one of my favorite games that I've attended in all of FSU athletics, so I'm excited about Saturday. Yeah, yeah remind me, please wear black. Please. <laughs> I will, golly. Well, I'm, this is that's the, not, not just you, but to every fan uh, listening. If you're going to the game, please wear black, even though they are giving away dope Amsterdam shirts, and I yeah, want mm-hmm. one. I that know. Really cool. But like Austin said, Florida State—they've just got to keep winning at home because there's so many there's so many casual 
basketball fans. And if they come to the Tucker Center and see one loss, they're going to be, like you said, Austin, they're going to be like, why Why did I come here? This is never going to happen again. Yeah, and that's, you're, that's you're, what it used to Oscar be like. Grouch is typical Florida State basketball. Yeah, I know. And then people will be like, fire Hamilton. Oh, this is what Leonard Hamilton always does. And then they'll fail to ignore what they've done uh, throughout the rest of the season so far. Yep. That's the way they are. Does Florida State have any guys coming in to visit this weekend? I know football does. I'm one. I was uh, maybe I was just seeing things on Twitter of a center, five-star center. I don't know if he's visiting this weekend or sometime soon. I might. I think he's a 2021 guy. Yeah. Because all the 2020 guys are committed, at least seven. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it It does look like Florida State will have five star power forward I don't even know how to say his name. Musa Cisse? Yeah, that's why I didn't even give any it. Oh, Chise. Yeah. Yeah. Six mm-hmm. foot nine, two hundred pounds. Five star prospect. I mean I don't honestly I don't know a lot about him. Yeah. Austin, do you know anything? I know his name just from <laughs> recruiting circles and some of the people I talk to. Um I'm not expecting him to come to Florida State in the end, but yeah. who knows, maybe he'll surprise me. Yeah, and you also have four-star shooting guard Bryce McGowan's top 50 prospect who will be in Tallahassee. Mm. So, okay. Florida State. Could have, I mean, Scotty. It's a good weekend to have guys come in. Yeah. yeah plus, with, plus with the football recruiting weekend as well. Basketball yeah. always uses football weekends as recruiting weekends. Now football's doing the same for basketball. It's mm. good to see. I like it. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Stuff. Signed Scotty Barnes uh, in this cycle, top five prospect, and also some other talented guys. And it looks yeah. like the talent just continues to roll into Tallahassee. So we'll see yeah. if Leonard Hamilton can continue to pull it off on the recruiting trail. Barnes just got bumped up to the number four overall prospect on ESPN's rankings that. this past week. Mm-mm-mm. Florida State got themselves a good one. Uh, we got a question here. Our only question of the night. This comes from Eric Samity. Samade, hopefully Samid, I'm, something like that. Some somewhere around there. At Samid, ask offense seems a little out of sorts last two games. Anything noticeable on tape or reasons for the lack of production? Well, the first one, the first game is Virginia. They just make yeah. everybody look out of sorts. That's the way they are. They make games intentionally ugly. Miami was just more of, I guess, it was more lack of focus because they were just missing easy shots around the rim, and if they make those. Easy shots around the rim, they win the game by 10 or 12 points in regulation. Um, they're still doing what they want to do offensively. They're still getting to the spots they want to get to. To me, it's not anything to worry about right now. They just got to make sure they finish. Yeah, I just think it was a the Virginia game. You're going against one of the best defenses in college basketball. No one, well, most teams are not going to look elite against them offensively. And then Miami, you you travel to an away game a couple days after beating Virginia at home. I think maybe they overlooked the Hurricanes a little bit. And then they definitely just looked sluggish offensively. It was it was a bad game for the shooters outside of Devin Vassell and Anthony Polite hitting some things, MJ Walker getting hot late. And I mean that's just that's how basketball works. Sometimes you're gonna have a bad shooting game and you have to be able to overcome it with other aspects of the game. And Florida State did that on defense as well as catching fire over the last four minutes and, and overtime and just making clutch plays. So sometimes you're going to play bad offensively and you just have to figure out a way to win. 
Who's ready for Florida State? No game day trivia. I believe because Heath's been talking smack, and I'm not happy about it. <laughs> and then what? What's the lead right now? Two three to one. Three to one. Three to one. Dustin Lewis, which is just shocking to me, Austin. I don't know what's happening. But the last two weeks were guesses. Like I'm making them harder, making them harder. But this one, I'm gonna put it back in the ring with basketball. Since okay. Florida State is hot, and it is also basketball season, so we need to start giving a little bit more love in the trivia area. So I'm going to start off with this one. In Florida State's first appearance in the national championship, and in their only appearance, in what arena, and you can oh, say God. where, not the name of the arena, but where did Florida State play this national championship? I, I Eight honestly seconds. have no idea. <laughs> Yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> I will say. Take some guesses. Five, four, three, uh, two. Detroit. Five. What was your answer, Austin? Los Angeles. That answer is correct, Austin. Let's wow. go. <laughs> wow. The funny hey, thing is, me. I was going to guess Los Angeles, but I didn't want to take the same one to start off. Yeah. I feel like back then they played the Final Fours. Like, they played like UCLA, the so. Yeah. Like, I feel like they played the tournaments at whoever was the main seed. I mm-hmm. could be wrong about that, but I just feel like that's how it used to be. Whether you're wrong or not, it worked out. Yeah. That was my logic going into it. If it was wrong, I don't care. Yep. Florida State <laughs> lost 76 to 81. The Seminoles defeated Powerhouse Kentucky in the Mid East Region Final and North Carolina in the Final Four. And I believe that loss to UCLA was the closest of any UCLA's championship wins. Mm. Yeah, that was when they were the dynasty college basketball with John Wooden. And you're correct. See, not bad, not bad. Okay, so now it's 3 2. Still, Dustin keeps the lead. I'm still going to win by 20. <laughs> Damn. Okay, okay. No, this is I, I learn every time, too. I'm sure listeners, too, and like learning this kind of stuff. It's good stuff to learn right now, too, because Florida State's pretty hot, and they may have a good chance at a run this year. Uh, who's ready for some fun trivia to end off the podcast? You mean fun facts, because we just did. I mean, fun, I mean, fun fact. I'm over here looking up my stuff, and I don't even know what I'm saying. It is also low in 30. For us, though, that's not bad. That's not terrible. No, this is not bad. This is good. Doing better than 1230 or 1. Well, I guess I will start us off with the fun facts. Do you want to? Okay, go yeah, ahead. I'll start us off. One of my favorite snacks is Pringles. I think everyone likes Pringles, even if the mm-hmm. cans suck. Go but ahead. they're not actually potato chips. Uh, they're hmm. potato what are, what are they described as? Po- dehydrated potato flakes, because they are not actually thinly sliced potatoes. Oh my god! Really? All right. Yep. <laughs> Dustin's like it's one of those. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's that kind of uh, week here on here. The yep. sphere from Austin. I'm so hungry. That, that's that's the basis that? behind. Yeah, that's hungry the basis behind my fact. Flake chips. That's what you're hungry for. Just Pringles. Pringles sound amazing right now. I'm not going to lie. Huh. Well, I guess I'll, I'll do mine. Mine's more sports-focused. The NCAA required college football players to study during halftime until 
Wow. That's stupid. So imagine like, if Florida State had to study during halftime of games, their API APR would probably be a lot higher. Wow. Damn. Dustin throwing some blows. Sadly, it's probably true. <laughs> but the like, offensive line would be worse. I mean, imagine if they didn't get coached at halftime. <laughs> <laughs> well, were they coached anyways? It's a good point. <laughs> I might have two here because I think they're two good ones. I'm going to start off with this one since it's basketball related for you guys and make you happy to end off the podcast. The Supreme Court has its own private basketball court with an amazing nickname. The highest court in the land. Did you read the amazing nickname part off the page? (laughs) It's, uh, It's on the page, yes. Okay. I didn't come up with that joke. That's actually what it is, the highest court in the land. That's that's not bad. Uh, let's see here. And then, yeah, it's not a bad one. And then next one here. This is this is uh, directed towards Austin Vizi, our great oh, lead basketball writer. Oh Fun God, fact. let me here guess what this is about. <laughs> Fun fact: McDonald's <laughs> once made. <laughs> Fun fact: McDonald's once made bubblegum flavored broccoli. Do you want to know how little I care about that fact? I think it's pretty interesting and disgusting because I like broccoli the way it is. I do like it steamed. Salt. I mean, the rest of the fact was fine. It was just like the first few words. Yeah, I know. You probably just stopped giving a damn. Heath, I kind of hate you for making this like an actual thing now. Awesome. Would, I mean, Dustin, would you eat, since you say you go to fast food and you get a lot of pubic hairs in your food. <laughs> Can you imagine eating a broccoli <laughs> that was flavored with bubble gum and you eating also some pubic hairs? If I get a dipping sauce, fuck it. <laughs> I mean, screw it. Wait. Uh, no, no, it's still we're still explicit. We're fine. Oh, okay. We're still explicit. Yeah, no, interesting. These are some good. I enjoy these fun facts. I mean, you got to make broccoli taste good, right? Because it already tastes like garbage. So, what's the worst it could taste like with there, some? There's no cow? making broccoli taste good. Let's just. Be do we all do we all like eating broccoli here though? Like, will we eat it? No. I mean, yeah, I I eat it, I but I don't eat it because of the taste. No, but like, what about if it's like sauteed? It doesn't matter. I, I've got a I've got a hot take. I don't like my vegetables steamed. Or cooked at all? Hmm. I just steam them because they're soft, and then I just throw them down. Then I eat the meat. <laughs> mm. We still actually need to have our argument, though, about the best barbecue. I don't know if we're going to do that. Let's do that in the next podcast, because for some reason, there's a, a big confusion on the best barbecue. and we always There argue. really shouldn't be a confusion, though. It's an easy decision. Okay, so I'm thinking here, you you just hate me and Dusty because we go to Sonny's and you don't get to come and eat with us. I don't know why you're looping me in with your Sonny's, bro. I don't think Sonny's is the best barbecue. And I have a Sonny's up here in Charlotte. Like it's not, it's okay. It's not special. Yeah, but I I mean, I like like Sonny's for sure. Yeah, it's not the best. The Sonny's on what's the uh, best? Whatever that on North Monroe. That's that's the best Sonny's I've ever been to though. That's a good Sonny's. Okay. 
that's the one we always go to. So I'm glad I'm glad you said that. My brother actually just got E. coli from the one that's by Sam's Club. Yeah, I don't go to that. Oh one. yeah, that one's bad. Yeah, yeah, I went there today. Wouldn't recommend. <laughs> you got E. coli. I actually though? saw Dustin. Yeah, he got E. coli. That's actually interesting. I, I was driving, I guess, in that area, and I saw Dustin, and I saw him go through the drive-through. Oh, at the <laughs> that was when I was on the phone with my mom, and Logan yells at me from the opposite side. I'm looking, so I look over, and I'm like, "Oh, what the hell, man!" And my mom's like, "Why are you cussing? What are you doing?" And she hung up on me because she she's like, you're using foul language. <laughs> I'm glad I could help out with that, man. I'm, I'm sure she yeah, really well, loves the podcast, too. Your podcast language. For the most part. It's all for fun. It's all for fun. So, yeah, no, I like Four Rivers. I think it's good. I think it's too Four Rivers pro- is the best barbecue in Tallahassee. Mm, you haven't been to Willie Jules, though. Have it's you been to Mo Betta? Have I been to What? Mo Betta. I've never even heard of that. It's like outside this gas station on Appalachian Parkway. Pretty good. That's probably why I haven't stopped there. Because when I lived in Tallahassee, I lived on the other side of town. Oh. I lived by the Steak and Shake, if you know where that is. Dustin, have you been to Bofa? I'm not even, I'm not taking the bait. Good track. <laughs> Ask someone that's doesn't know that joke <laughs> we'll get whoever the next guest is on the podcast we'll get him both of these nuts dude That's that would it. that would We're honestly gonna, be funny we should do that maybe we should try that with maybe like Derek brooks or somebody like that no that's yeah. that's disrespectful <laughs> respect your elders just boy. ask him how his bofa business is going <laughs> okay i'm not no 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 i'm just trying to think of someone who i should ask uh, to do that. Maybe like Darnell Dockett or somebody. I just don't think that'd be a great idea. I don't think I'd be oh, a good safe. Now you're backing out? Yeah, I'm going to back out of that. We'll get someone. He's soft. Oh, yeah. Y'all would probably leave the Skype chat if I said it. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> no, I, wouldn't. I would stick around. I want to see what's happening next. All right. Maybe I'll get Jacoby McDaniel. When, Mc... when Jacoby gets on here, we'll get him. <laughs> All right, I think that's going to be the end of the podcast. You guys ain't got any more to say about this? Definitely not. You want to make your apology to your mom about you using the F word earlier? It was an accident, Mom. (laughs) All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. You can find the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play. If you're on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. Also, I told myself... And I'm going to do this in the next podcast, I swear. We're going to read out every five-star review that we get. If there's a new one or anything, we're going to shout out who wrote it and read it out. But, yeah, if you leave a five-star review, we're going to read it in the opening of the podcast next week. Um, but, yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. You can contact us and tweet us at Hear the Spear on Twitter. But, yeah, I think that's going to do it. We will talk to you guys at after the game on Saturday this weekend. Uh, but, yeah, y'all have a good rest of y'all's week.